you're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. A few months ago, my kids were sitting out on the back patio and just hanging out. It was like a nice summer night and just doing their thing. And all of a sudden, this hawk flies over our property carrying this stick and just drops it in the middle of the yard. And I wasn't there, but they told me the story. And I was like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, Lord, you trying to tell me anything? Like, I'm, I'm listening. I'm ready, right? So then like a little while later, um, I'm at a wedding. I'm performing a ceremony actually for Jamie, who sang today, and her husband, now husband Ricky. We're standing at the front. It's an outdoor ceremony. Ricky and I and the groomsmen are all in place, and the bridesmaids are making their way down. We're waiting for Jamie, and a hawk flies over the ceremony and drops this stick. No, 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 not, not that part. <laughs> but the hawk dry, uh, flies over the ceremony, and I look up, and I'm like, that's crazy. And so I tap Ricky, and I said, Ricky, hawk, like flying over your ceremony. Like as if to kind of say, like, this must be God's grace over, you know, this wedding or something like that. And, and he kind of looks at me, and he goes, is that good? And I'm like... I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I don't you know. So I, I hope so, right? But what was so funny is that in both those situations, it's just this big look up moment, you know? And I just pray that in this series, the same thing's happening. There's a big look up moment. We're looking up to heaven as we talk about our home, as we talk about where we will spend eternity with our amazing Savior. And I pray that our eyes are on heaven throughout this process. And so far, we've talked about some pretty powerful stuff. We've seen what we're going to do. We've seen what God's going to do. We've seen what heaven will be like, what it won't be like. We've, we've put to death some myths about heaven and some questions I pray have been answered. So let me catch you up if you missed it or just remind you and refresh you if you've been around. But the first week, we saw that heaven's an incredible gift. We saw that what an amazing gift we have, this alternative to every other option uh, hell and uh, reincarnation and, and purgatory and like all those things that are taught, like here's heaven, right? Now we don't believe in reincarnation or purgatory, but hell is a biblical concept, but, but here's heaven. And we don't believe in eternal oblivion where you're just, you become this blank slate and you're, you just cease to exist. We don't believe that God, you know, he could have decimated the whole world after the mess we all made, but he didn't. He redeemed us. He said, I want to offer you eternity in heaven. Uh, we're going to be freed from sin and temptation. Does that sound good to anybody? We're going to be reunited with loved ones and know Jesus. We're going to um, no longer cry tears because Jesus will have wiped them away and give us, given us answers for all the things that made him cry those tears in the first place. We'll be free from all that causes pain. No more abominations. All wrongs made right total access to Jesus uh, to Jesus in week two we saw that personal love will continue that personal knowledge emotions activity will continue we saw that activities in God's presence like helping God run the universe we're going to eat we're going to worship we're going to sing we're going to um, use our gifts and talents you know, we talked about music and art and like all these amazing things in this city on heaven on earth with perfectly heaven heavenly bodies and last week, I challenged you and I that we would live now for what will matter then. Like what in our lives now that we're doing will matter when we stand before God. And I pray I've been clear throughout this series that it is only Jesus' death and resurrection that gets us there. It is not our works, our good, our bad. We are not ruled out based on one thing or another. It's all about the grace and mercy of Jesus that gets us there. But I want to live my life now for what will matter there. I want to make an impact on the world now so that when I stand there, I know that I'm there by grace and not by my own works. But man, I'm so thankful that I lived the life that mattered and that others are standing there too. 
Maybe because of the lives that we live and the way that God uses us in their lives. We also talked last week about letting go of the anxieties. Because when we stand before God, there's going to be perfect peace. And I think, wow, what about tapping into some of that peace here and now? Right? Beginning to say, Jesus, my eyes on heaven in eternity. I, I, I can't wait until there's literally perfect peace. But you already offer a peace to me here and now. And so I want to begin to get in on that. So today I want to just wrap up this series, and and here's my thought for today, okay? If heaven is so great, and I pray that in this last season you've realized heaven is great. I pray you've gotten excited about it. I pray you've said, I've got a mission here and now, but I'm looking forward to eternity with Jesus. But if it's so great, man, why don't we share more about it? Why don't we tell others more about it? Like, when we look forward to something in life, when we love something in life, we talk about it a lot, don't we? We're, we're passionate about something. We're going to speak it out. You guys know that I'm a, an incredible Mets fan. Like, I love the Mets so much. And what better to talk about on the day after the Astros win the World Series, right? But, but man, the Mets, like, you know, if you come to this church, you know that I am passionate for the Mets. Some of you love and, or hate that. People have left probably over it. But, but man, there's this passion, and you're going to see it on my clothing, right? You're going to hear, hear about my experiences. I go to the games, and I watch the games, and I, you know, my kids wear the gear. And you're going to hear it in my speech and the way that I act. And, and I'm a, in, the, in the winter, although this is a weird weekend. It's crazy hot, and it's beautiful out. But in the winter, I live in sweatshirts. Like, that's, if you know me well, you know, pretty much I go from my, my van sweatshirt to my jet sweatshirt to my Met sweatshirt and I just kind of cycle those three throughout the whole winter and um, recently as the season changed I couldn't find my Met sweatshirt and it was driving me crazy and so I went to my kids I'm looking through their closets I'm looking because everybody's stealing my clothes now and so I'm looking through the closets and I can't find it and I eventually just I know that I know in my inner being that my daughter somewhere has it, like somewhere hidden. She doesn't even know she has it, but it's somewhere. So for like weeks, I'm like, hon, I know you have my sweatshirt. I know it's somewhere in your room, in the lost in the abyss in there. Like I know it's somewhere in there. And so she's denying it. Dad, no, I promise, I promise. Well, I come into the house after doing some yard work a few weeks ago, and I see this sitting on the table. I have a picture here for you, and there's a little sticky. It's my sweatshirt, and here's what Bryn says. Hi, Dad, before you continue to read, remember how much you love me. So it turns out the sweatshirt you've been looking for was, in fact, in my room. Ha! Guess it's not the best time considering the Mets are out of the playoffs. Anyways, you're welcome for finding your sweatshirt. Not sure why Landon stole it from your closet and put it in my room. Bryn. Yeah, thanks, Brynny. Yeah. But man, if you know me, you know what I'm passionate about. You know what I love. You know the restaurants I eat at because I talk about them from the stage, right? And the people around you know what teams you like and they know where you hang out and where you vacation and what musical events you, you have been to. And like, Because we just talk about this stuff. We talk about what we love and what we're excited about and what we anticipate and look forward to. And so my prayer is that as a result of this series, and then maybe some of us looking forward to heaven that maybe did it in the past because we were afraid of it or we were weirded out by it or we didn't know how to get there or what we were going to do, I pray that now we know those things and there's an anticipation, there's a longing to be with Jesus, that we'll talk about it more, that we'll share our faith, we'll share the hope of heaven more. You know, I think a lot of things get in our head, and I'm a pastor and it still can get in my head. Sometimes we don't know what to say. Sometimes I think we don't know how to say it or we're, we're afraid we're going to push somebody away. We're afraid that it's going to turn into an argument because maybe we saw that happen or it happened with us in the past with somebody else. Maybe, and I think this is a really big one, we think it's just so incredibly time-consuming. We don't have time to share our faith. It's going to take so much time. It's going to take so much effort. 
And I want to work through that today. And I think sometimes we, we're afraid, I just don't have the answers I need. Like, I just don't have the knowledge that I need to, to share what I think I should probably share. And so today we're going to discover an amazing way we can share our faith. It's not the only way, but it's a powerful and a biblical way. I think today you're going to see it's a whole lot easier than you thought. It's way less time-consuming than you thought, and there's way less pressure on you than you thought. But we have the hope of heaven. We have the greatest news in the whole world. There's literally nothing more important in our lives than to share our faith, than to tell others of what Jesus has done. Like we were walking through a, a world of broken people and lost people and hurting people and depressed people and sad people and fearful people. And every single one of them needs that hope. I cannot imagine waking up today without the hope that I have in Jesus, forgiveness, salvation, and heaven. So what an amazing thing God's given us to share. There's not one person who doesn't need to hear this. Doesn't mean they're all going to respond to it. Doesn't mean that they're all going to respond well to it. But every single person that we lay eyes on needs to hear about the hope of heaven. It's the undoing, like Tim Keller said, heaven is the undoing of all the wrongs done to us here in this life. Who do you know that doesn't need to hear that? And so I pray today that you'll kind of leave here feeling equipped. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're like, great, I came to church on a day when they're talking about sharing their faith. I don't share that faith. Like, literally, I don't have that faith. And so what am I going to do? Well, I pray today, first of all, you'll allow me to apologize if you've ever been on the wrong end of a conversation like this. If somebody pushed you away because it did turn into an argument or they used fear to try to manipulate you to put your trust in Jesus or um, maybe just the way people have lived in front of you, people who call themselves followers of Jesus has turned you off. So let me start by apologizing. And then let me just say, we're going to talk a lot today about the grace of God. We're going to talk about the mercy of Jesus. We're going to talk about his goodness to us and, and his forgiveness that he offers freely. And so I pray you'll get something out of this today, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. So we're going to look at a few passages today. And the first one was written by Peter. And many of you know Peter was a disciple. He was one of Jesus' closest friends. And he saw Jesus you know, on a cross and die and then rise back from the dead. And so his whole life was about spreading this message. And so he says this in 1 Peter 3. You can read this with me. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. So it starts there. It starts with, wow, okay, Jesus is Lord. He is God. He saw humanity broken and came running to it, entered the mess, was placed on a cross, placed in a grave. He was treated in horrific ways, worse than any of us ever have been. And this is what the Lord did. And so it starts with this reverence of, wow, look what Jesus has done for me. And because he's done this for me, here's how I want to live my life. Jesus is Lord. He's not just a good man. He's not just a prophet or a miracle worker. He's literally God walking around in the flesh. And then it says this. I love this verse. This jumped out at me when I was in college one day, and there was a guest speaker, and he used this verse, and I never forgot his message. It says this. Always be prepared to give an answer. Everybody say Answer. To everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope, everybody say hope, that you have. Always be ready to give an answer for the, answer, for the hope that you have. So I see a couple different ways that we normally read this verse the wrong way, okay? I think some of us read it like this. Never even think about sharing the answer for your hope. You're not qualified. It's only for pastors and missionaries, right? That's how some of us read that verse because it's intimidating, I don't want to mess this up. What if I don't say the right thing? No, this is for everybody. Everybody say everybody. All right, so this is for everybody. I think another way we read this verse, always be prepared to give an argument to everyone who asks. No, it's not an argument. Everybody say answer. It's an answer for the hope that we have. 
I want you to see what hope we have. See, Paul shows us the hope, okay? And so we're gonna jump to Colossians real quick and then we'll look back at Peter. Here is what Paul says about this hope. He says, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. And you ready? Here's this link, right? The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. So Peter says, be ready to give an answer for the hope. Paul defines the hope. He tells us what the hope is that should get us ready to share this answer. It's the hope stored up for us in heaven. So the Colossians had a faith and a love that was springing, that was motivated by, that was rushing forth from the hope that was stored up for them in heaven. And so there's a hope stored up in heaven for every single one of us who have put our trust in Jesus, isn't there? And so that hope that we have for eternity with Jesus and all wrongs made right and our tears wiped away and our sins washed free, for, you know, completely done with, never to look back at sin or temptation and reunited with loved ones and all the things we've talked about, that hope has got to make a faith and a love come rushing out of us, a hope that is ready to give an answer why we are living the way that we live. Now, some of you guys are going, but... I feel like I'm just going to have to uh, carve out all this time. Some of you are like, Doug, I work in the city. It's a four-hour both ways, you know, you, know, you know, full commute. I'm going two in, two out. I'm there all day. I get up at five. I, you know, I, I've hit the gym already. You know, like, uh, this is my life. You know, I come home. I've got kids. Or some of you are saying, man, it's just so busy. Some of you younger people are even like, I have no time, man. There's a lot of video games to play. No, I'm just kidding. You're like, like, I got work. I got school. I'm doing my permit. I'm like learning, you know, how to, I'm babysitting now. Like, I'm mowing lawns. Like, I, I'm doing, I, I just have a, I don't have the time. And I just want you to realize that I think what Peter tells us is really freeing to this big objection that a lot of us have, right? The objection that I don't have the time. Peter's just saying, be ready to give an answer for the hope. I don't think we have to carve out the time that we think. We just have to be ready. I'll give you an example. At 440 Men a few weeks ago, uh, after we had this big, manly, awesome bonfire and made s'mores and stuff, we hung out and we were talking about what's going on in our lives. And one of the guys, Nick Robb, who leads the group, just brought up a conversation he recently had on the train. He works in the city. He gets up crazy early. He takes the train in. Um, he's up, I think, around 3.30 or 4 every day. And here's a guy that's busy. He comes home. He's got two kids. He's married, right? His wife works. And so they're like juggling. She works nights. He works days. So they're juggling all this. And as he's on the train, he sits down next to somebody who he thought was asleep. And he had actually, actually, now that I'm getting the, remembering the story correctly, he actually worked an overnight that night. So normally he's in real early, but that time he'd worked an overnight and is heading back out, exhausted, sits down on the train next to somebody he thinks is asleep because they're, he thinks they're asleep and they're going to leave him alone. And they weren't asleep. And they began to talk. And he begins to think, oh my gosh, I'm just so tired. I do not need this right now. I need to sleep, right? But the person that he's talking with, the conversation goes to God. They begin to talk about God. And the person he's talking with has some pretty strong opinions about Christians because this person's been hurt in the past. And Nick could have gotten offended. He could have got up and moved to seat because he's tired. But instead, he just stayed in the conversation and he shared the hope that he had. It, it can just be that simple, right? Nick didn't carve out a second of his actual free time, did he? He just responded and was ready in the moment to give an answer for the hope. So Peter goes on, and I love this, because I think we get this so wrong. I think this is one of the reasons that we don't want to share our faith, because we feel like we're going to have to be mean. What? Right? We feel like we're going to have to be angry, because maybe that's what we've seen modeled. 
But look at what Peter tells us. But do this with gentleness and respect. When you share your faith, when you give the answer for the hope that you have, do it with gentleness and respect. I think sometimes we thought Peter said, win the argument at all costs, right? Or show them how they're wrong. No, he says, when you talk with somebody who doesn't know Jesus, you share the hope of heaven, share the hope of forgiveness and salvation with gentleness and respect. Guys, we know that arguing never works, don't we? There's a comedian named Brian Regan. He's really funny, clean. I I, I love this guy so much. And um, one of the things that he recently said as he was talking about the last several years and all the disagreements that have happened on Facebook and stuff, he said, you know, recently I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw this argument taking place and I read through all the comments and they were going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Then eventually one of them just stopped and said, you know what, I see your point and you're absolutely right. And then he says, oh, no, no, I didn't see that. I saw a unicorn. That's what it was, right? Like, like, this doesn't happen. You don't win someone over by angrily arguing and posting a better post, than, you know, a greater comment and putting them into their place, right? He says, with gentleness and respect, give the answer for our hope. Now, some of you guys are saying, okay, but Peter's talking about doing this with people who are respectful to you, right? Peter's talking about doing this with people who are easy to talk to, people who are, uh, respect your opinion, people who wouldn't yell back at you or, or call you names or make you feel uncomfortable about your faith, right? Well, look at what it says next. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Well, what's with those last verses? You see, here's what's so funny. It almost sounds like Peter is saying that we are to gently and kindly and lovingly answer the hope for our faith, even with people who are malicious toward us. Even with people who have said, you believe that guy believes in Jesus? Believe this girl? She, she's telling me about her faith. She tells me about church, she, right? People who have gone to the boss. He talks about Jesus too much in, in the office, right? Like those people, we're still to show love to and grace to, that's what's gonna win them over. It sounds like Peter is talking about sharing our faith in a hostile environment. In fact, if you look at your Bible, most Bibles and even Bible apps have a heading above these verses that we're reading today. And you know what the heading is? Suffering for doing good. So in other words, Peter is writing this with the people, the audience in mind that we're probably sharing our faith in a hostile environment. Peter certainly was. Right? What did they do to Jesus? They put him on a cross. So Peter's sharing his faith in a hostile environment. What would they eventually do to Peter for talking about Jesus? They killed him. So when he says to be kind and share with a gentle answer and win people over with the hope that you have, he's talking about doing it in the worst environment imaginable. So don't think that when you go to school or work this week and you get made fun of a little bit or you may maybe you feel uncomfortable sharing your faith that you're doing something wrong or you must not be doing this right or maybe this, yeah, I was right. I knew I'm not supposed to be doing this because people would respond better if, if I was the one supposed to be doing this. No, Peter's right there with you. I'm right there with you. We're all in this together and wow, the world needs the hope of Jesus, but man, it's a little hostile, isn't it? But that doesn't mean we stop. Can you imagine today if you didn't have the hope of heaven? What would your day be like today? What would your marriage be like? What would your relationships be like? What, you, you kids walking through your day, you, you know your sins are forgiven. You, you can walk in the peace of God. 
Like imagine not having that today. That, that weight needs to be on us. That we would get serious about sharing our faith with those who love Jesus. Do you want some motivation for doing things this way? You might be saying, Doug, why would I allow myself to be put in an uncomfortable, uncomfortable situation? Why would I allow this to, to cost me something? Can we get some motivation from the next verse? For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Jesus suffered to bring you and I to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And so Peter is saying, just in case you're wondering or looking for an example of somebody who was willing to let this all cost them something, let's just look right to Jesus who gave his everything that we would be brought to Jesus. Man, I just pray that we catch some of that. That there'd be something in us going, okay, you know what? It might cost me some reputation. It might cost me some, some slander, some malicious talk about me, getting made fun of, being the brunt of the joke at work or school or the neighborhood. But this is the hope of heaven, and I can't imagine my life without that hope of heaven. So how can I let anybody else walk through their day without that hope too? Guys, I hope you don't feel like I'm coming down on you today. I'm inviting us into the calling that God's placed on every Christian. I think for too long we believe this is what pastors and missionaries are for. No, this is what every Christian is for, to carry the hope with gentleness and love and respect. I want to look at something else Paul says in Colossians. Look at this. He says in Colossians 4, 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So here's this idea of, okay, I'm on the watch. I'm ready. And pray for us too. He says, pray for us as we're going through what we're going through, and I'll describe in just a minute what they're going through, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. See, here's the thing. The door is closed in many people's hearts, isn't it? The door to accepting Christ, this, this, the door to saying, yes, I want heaven and eternity, and I want to know Jesus, and I want to walk with Jesus, that door is shut in many lives. It takes a miracle for it to be open. And so Paul says, hey, pray for us that those doors would be open. Well, Paul, who are you praying this will happen for? Like, who is that person in your sphere of influence that you're hoping the door of their heart will be open? Do you know where Paul was when he wrote this? Anybody know? Somebody knows. He was in jail, right? And so who's he hoping he'll reach? The guy's chained to, the guard, the person watching him. You want to talk about sharing your faith in a hostile environment? Paul is saying, pray for me, pray for us, that these jailers' hearts will be opened to the hope that we have. But he's in jail, right? So he's probably responding badly to the different things that jailers are doing and saying. He's probably got a bad attitude about it. He's probably throwing back nasty remarks. No, that's not what he's doing, and it's not what he tells us to do. So before I get any further, let me just ask you, who's around you? Like, who's... Like Paul has prison guards around him and he's praying that the door of their heart would be open because he wants an opportunity to share the hope of Jesus and the hope of heaven. So who's around you? Like who are those people that are around you? So I've got neighbors, they're around me. I need to be praying that the door of their heart would be open and ready to lovingly, graciously give an answer for the hope that I have, right? I eat in restaurants. I take walks through my neighborhood, and so even not just the people who live around me, but, but as I'm walking through my neighborhood, I'm thinking about every car I'm passing. Not all the time. It's not like I'm just out there laying hands on every car, you know? Like, but I'm, I'm passing, and I'm, I'm thinking as I interact with somebody, as a car drives by, as a person walks by, like, I just want to represent Jesus well here. And sometimes that means saying things about God, and sometimes it just means being loving and a smiling face and, and a wave, right? You're building a relationship. 
You know, I work at a church, so it's hard for me to be a witness there because I'm pretty sure most of them are saved, the staff. So not, <laughs> I'm praying the door of their hearts would be open. But, but who around you can you just be ready? We have so many opportunities to just be ready, to put ourselves out there a little bit. Let's continue to learn here. He says, for which I am in chains. Paul's saying, I- I'm in chains here. You don't know like, what suffering I'm experiencing. I'm chained, imprisoned, and my heart is that people would know the hope that I have in heaven. He says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should, right? I want to proclaim it clearly, and I think sometimes we get in our own head with this. There are really simple ways to share our faith. One of the greatest ways to share our faith is just to share your story, right? Because that no one can argue with. People can argue, oh, I don't know about that. I saw this special on you know, Discovery Channel about Jesus in the first century. Maybe ask some big questions about the historicity of the philosophies and that, right? You're like, what? But you go, oh, well, here's what Jesus did for me. Here's what Jesus has done in my family. Here's what Jesus did to help me through addiction. Here's what Jesus did just to give me peace. Here's how Jesus healed me. Here's how he restored this area of my life. Here's the hope that he gave me when I was walking through great tragedy, right? Like such a simple thing, ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. And then I love this. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Now, outsiders just means people who aren't Christians, okay? Because Paul's writing a letter to the church at Colossae. So they're like the insiders of that letter, okay? So it's not like a derogatory thing, like you're the insiders, they're the outsiders. It's just, you're getting my letter, you're gathered in the church, they're outside the walls. So they're outsiders and you're insiders because you're literally in the walls. He says, be wise in the way you act toward them. And I think we just struggle with this as, as Christians, don't we? Again, I think so much, especially in the internet age, oh man, can we take all that back somehow? I think we, we, we lose our minds so, so frequently on social media, you know? And, and again, we, we get into arguments and, and, and we, 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 we're, we're going for our cause, we're going for our, our side. As a, and sometimes we're even mixing up what is relating to our relationship with Jesus and what's just something, a social stance today. Those are two very different things. Jesus should inform those, but let's keep Jesus. As I always say, let's make Jesus the loudest thing about us. And so it goes on. Make the most of every opportunity. If God has opened a door, walk through it. Like more and more, God's just been challenging me lately with just little things. Like I think I told you guys a few weeks ago, there was a guy that came to fix our chimney, and we got into a conversation about Jesus. He'd lost his son, and we began to talk about God's grace and how God can heal, and I was able to tell him I'd be praying for him. Another guy came and he gave me an estimate on something. And again, what do you do? It's, you know, like, oh, I'm a pastor. And, and again, that's always a loaded question. Some people don't really want to hear that. But, but this guy was willing to talk a little bit. And again, I got to tell him I'd be praying about some stuff. And, and so I can't just take, and I'm not, I'm not, please, I'm not trying to praise myself here. I'm just saying that this is something I'm growing into and something that I want to be better at. And then I love this. It goes right along with what Peter said. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Everybody say Grace right? Grace, not anger, not argument, right? There's a time to defend and stand up and, and stand up for truth. But, but here's the thing. The scriptures tell us that Jesus was full of grace and truth, right? So truth matters. We do stand up for truth. But I love that grace comes first in the scriptures when it describes him, full of grace and truth. So grace comes first, doesn't it? And I think that as we look at Jesus' dealings with people in his day, prostitutes, tax collectors, thieves, I think he always 
pushed grace first and foremost. And he would get the truth, right? The woman at the well, I think of Zacchaeus, I think of like many different people, but there was always grace. He looks up at Zacchaeus, nobody else would look at. He's talking to prostitutes no one else would sit with. He's talking with the woman at well that he hit, the, like these two nationalities didn't even communicate. Like when his disciples show up, they're like, why are you talking to this woman? right? That's another thing. He talked to women that, that men wouldn't talk to women in, in Jesus' day like Jesus talked to women, the, the way that he would give them um, equality and, and value and, and enter in and, and, hey, be a part of my mission. Who were the first people who heard about Jesus being back from the dead? The women, right? Like, like Jesus invited people in, people that others weren't inviting in in those days. And so there was this grace about his conversation. The word here in the Greek takes us to the English word winsome. There was a winsomeness about Jesus' uh, interactions, and Paul is saying that's what you and I need to have. And here's the definition of that, a winning quality or attractiveness that invites a favorable reaction. When we give an answer for our hope, this grace, this desire to win someone over, not to our side, but to our hope, right, has to characterize the way that we talk. And then it says this, seasoned with salt. Okay, what does that mean? Well, in the Greek, we have the same exact idea of winsomeness. He's saying, okay, I want you to be winsome. I want you to, 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 to talk wisely, full, with, full of grace with, with outsiders, those who need Jesus, and, and sprinkle a little salt on it. It's the same idea of more winsome or attractive way about your, your wording and your conversation that would win them over to the hope of Jesus. And I think what Paul's kind of saying here is almost like, may your conversation be full of winsomeness, and while you're at it, sprinkle on a little winsomeness, you know? Um, our family loves salt. If you know the Jansen Pavone family, we love salt, okay? Um, if you go out with my father-in-law, Pastor Pavone, he brings his own salt shaker to the restaurant. I'm not making that up. Like, we've been at places, and it's like, can we get some salt? He's like, oh, you don't need to even ask. Like, he just pulls it right out of his, his jacket, for real, okay? And so um, a few weeks ago, we were at a family gathering, and there's like several salt shakers and they're just all being, like that's the conversation through the whole meal. Pass the salt, could you pass the salt, could you pass the salt, can I have the salt, can I have the salt? And it's just back and forth and back and forth. And it's almost like our family motto is, why don't we use some salt and while we're at it, sprinkle on some salt, you know what I mean? And that's really what Paul's saying here. Why don't you allow your heart to be full of this desire to win some people over and while you're at it, why don't you sprinkle on a little winning some people over? Why don't you sprinkle on a little bit of grace? And he says this, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Because everybody needs a little bit of a different answer, don't they? You're going to have different people with different questions and different backgrounds and different hurts and different objections. And, and again, I think this is where we get in our own head. Now listen, we should know our stuff. My buddy Tim Fox is sitting in the back who loves apologetics. I love apologetics, which is the defending of our faith. It's knowing answers. But I think sometimes we all think we have to know every answer before we're willing to share and a really powerful tool that I've learned, and I'm the pastor, I'm supposed to have all the answers, right? Powerful tool that I've learned recently is, that's a great question, I'm gonna look into that and get back to you. People respect that. Instead of just making something up, right, or like trying to like just give them some answer that doesn't answer it, really, like they can't fully comprehend, like it's just, you know what? You make a great point, which that'll just shock somebody in the first place, just say, that's a really good point. But I'm gonna look into that and get back to you, right? 
And just this idea of like, okay, so maybe Tim Fox knows the answer, or maybe Doug knows the answer, maybe Joe Levante or Joey or Andrew or the other pastors, that's Pastor Ravone probably knows the answer, because that guy knows the word of God like nobody I know. So like, okay, I'll get back to you. Let me talk to my pastor. Let me Google that, or let me find that friend who went to seminary. Or, but that doesn't mean that you remove yourself. This is the lie that the enemy's told us. We've removed ourselves completely from the equation because we feel unqualified. I'm not a baseball player, right? But I talk about baseball all the time. I haven't removed myself from the equation because I'm not one of them. And I think that's what we do sometimes. I don't have the training. I don't know what to say. Tell your story. Give an answer for the hope that you have. And at times say, great question. Let me get back to you. But the way we do it, I think, is everything here today. Seasoned with salt. Grace. I'm going to speak truth, but how am I going to speak it? Graciously. I'm going to share the hope of God, but I'm going to be ready to give an answer. It doesn't take all the time in the world. I'm just going to be a little bit ready. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be praying for open hearts, right? And so I pray today that you're just feeling like, wow, I could actually do this. I'm so excited about going to heaven. I'm so excited about forgiveness and grace and mercy and no more tears and seeing loved ones again. I'm so excited about all that. And so I want to share all that. And I feel like I maybe wasn't invited in in the past, but now I know I'm invited in. I know that it's not just for Doug and the team and missionaries and Billy Graham and all them, right? It's like, it's for me. It's for me. I'm an important piece in this. And maybe my piece is to connect my neighbor with Tim Fox, who's a really smart guy and can answer questions about apologetics when they're saying that they can't believe in God because of the horrible things that happen in this world, right? But you were the piece. Or maybe it's just your story. God changed my life. God gave me hope. God did this. God helped me with that addiction. God walked with me through this horrible season and gave me what I need to just keep going another day. And you're that important piece. God uses graciously, lovingly, patiently, even if you're chained up, even if the person you're trying to win over is the guard, kicks you, throws food at you, who doesn't care if you're healthy or sick. Man, Paul's heart is, let's win him over. So my heart for you, my heart for me, is that we be ready to lovingly share the hope of Jesus. Be ready to lovingly share the hope of Jesus. There are opportunities all around us. Maybe it's the chimney guy. Maybe it's the fence guy. Maybe it's the waitress at the restaurant after church today. Maybe it's the teacher or the friend this week. Maybe it's the coworker or the boss. And we've all heard this before, haven't we, that sometimes we get made fun of and we get put down and we get made fun of and we get put down until that person goes through something and then they reach out to us and go, you know, you always talked about this Jesus and I just lost a loved one. You know, you always talk about this Jesus and I just got divorce papers. You always talk about Jesus, my mom's sick. You always talk about Jesus. I heard you say that he gave you hope to keep going. It's amazing how God uses those stories even years later. I can't help but think about a sweet old couple who came to our church years ago. They were in their probably late 60s and 70s, and they stayed with us until uh, the husband passed away. They were probably part of the church five or six years. And they were in late 60s, early 70s, and they came to an event at the church. I don't know, maybe one of their grandkids was getting dedicated or something like that. And so they came to this event, and right there in that service, they put their trust in Jesus. And here was their remark 
Their remark was, because their family came to our church for literally decades, and here was the remark, and I don't know that they said this to them, but I, they, I think they said this to Pastor Bavone. They said, how could our family not tell us about this? How could our family decades ago not have invited us to this? And, and, and there was this like longing of like missing out on decades of a relationship with Jesus. Now listen, I know that's not all of our, our families. I know that some of us have shared and it's been very hostile. I understand that's not going to be every person. But that is some people, isn't it? That's some of our neighbors. That's some of our family. That's some of our coworkers. That's some of the people that we go to school with. And man, God has placed you there to make an impact. He's placed you there to be hopeful. He's placed you there to be praying. He's placed you there to be ready to just give an answer for the hope in a gracious way. See what God will do with it. The pressure is not on you. You are not the Savior. I am not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. He does the saving. But man, does he call us to go out there and share our faith, share the hope. And that hope is tied to heaven. Because the Colossians' hope was all tied to heaven. It literally says was stored up in heaven. Their faith and their love was a result of the hope stored up for them in heaven. And the same is true for every one of us here today and watching online. And so will you begin to pray for open doors? You're like, sure, Doug, I will pray for open doors for you. <laughs> God, give Doug open doors this week. No, no, no. Pray for open doors for you this week. Pray that God would use you. You already have what you need to share some of your faith, your story, what God's done. You're equipped. Some of you know some deep answers. And if you know some deep answers, there might be some friends here at church today bringing somebody to you in the near future saying, can you share some of those deep answers because my buddy needs something. But you're that connector. You're in their life for the reason, to bring the hope, to share your story in a gracious and loving way. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to think about putting your trust in Jesus today. You've heard me talk a lot about the grace that he shows and the people that he hung out with and the way that he died and gave his life and his heart for every person and the grace that he brought. And you heard me say that the only way we get to heaven is through a relationship with him. So if you want to put your trust in him today, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. But I pray as a result of this home series, you have a much clearer picture of heaven. I pray that you're excited about it. I pray you and I will live now for what will matter then. And I pray that we will go and share our faith. Be praying this week. Be ready this week. Share the hope that you have in a loving way. Let's pray. Jesus, we're grateful to you, Lord, that you've called us to be ready to give this answer of our hope. God, we're grateful, Lord, that we, Lord, are able to share in a loving way how you've changed our lives. And we pray for patience and grace in the moments when it feels like it's about to turn into an argument. We pray for, pray for patience and grace and that there'd be a winsomeness about us, Lord, that we'd win people over to the hope of Jesus with our lives and Jesus with the words that we speak God, I thank you that every person here and watching online is equipped, God. They have what they need to begin to share their story. They have what they need to begin to share the hope of heaven and eternity, Lord. And so get our eyes focused on that. Would we be as passionate about sharing our faith as we are about our sports team and our favorite artists at our favorite restaurant, God? Would we talk about it more than anything in our lives? Help us, God. So here's what I want you to do now, church. Would you pray for an open door? Would you pray for a specific person or group of people right now and ask for open doors? I'm telling you they're all around you. I'm telling you there are people who are hurting that are ready and are looking for an answer. We just need the Lord to open that door 
that they would hear and see what you're saying. God, I just pray you'll anoint every person, Lord Jesus. Please, God, remove fear from our hearts. Remove excuses from our hearts, God. We carry the best news ever. Help us to lovingly tell people about the hope of Jesus and the hope of heaven. If you're a follower of Jesus, pray. Pray for open doors. Pray for those people now. Pray they will be saved. Pray they'll be sitting with you at the Christmas service in just a few months. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I'd love for you to pray with me now. You could just pray something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for this free gift of salvation. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you care for me. Jesus, show me how close you are and how real you are. And I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. In your name I pray.